It's Aries season until April 19th, and Aries is ruled by Mars. Culturally, we know Mars to represent the god of war, traditional masculinity, anger, bloodshed, assertion, action. It's where we get the word martial. Most of its associations exist as a duality, where there's a foe, someone or something to be conquered. I can't think of a better season to come face to face with our foes than Aries season. A red, fiery time of year to run with your intuition and knock down anything standing in your way. So right now, who or what is your nemesis? Nemesis is Greek in origin, meaning just indignation, righteous anger, and distribution. It's also the name of the Greek goddess of vengeance, personification, and divine wrath. So though we typically attribute it to human opponents, it actually contains a vastness that extends to anything that we can assign meaning to. Right now in this pandemic, we're so isolated that it's probably less common to experience a human opponent. It's more likely that we're battling an empty room, our anxiety, boredom, insomnia, maybe unemployment or illness. On a broader scale, we share some rivals. America and the UK's current administrations, late-stage capitalism, global warming, the hits, these are the big ones. Lack of toilet paper, flour, Nintendo Switches, these are maybe some tears down. I'll tell you some things that I'm missing really bad right about now. The darkness of a movie theater, the murmur of a bar crowd. Will these things feel jarring when we're able to experience them again? Will we be afraid to touch our friends? But listen, at a certain point we have to set these worries aside. It's human nature to do that, to set them aside. It's psychological resilience. Our brains adapt and we push forward in some way. I'm not going to sit here and preach to you again about exercising, reading self-help books, or starting a new hobby, because those things are real, and if you can find the time to do them, you definitely should. But we can't talk about it again. I'm talking about getting a grip on your life in any small way you can. What are the roadblocks you're feeling the most right now, and how can you just get them in the gut? They can be small roadblocks a less than healthy addiction, a client who still owes you money, a crush who ghosted you, your friend who said something rude that you've been holding on to for too long, or it can be bigger and more subtle. The next step in your career or a project you've been meaning to get off the ground. So what is it that's stopping you? But let's not think that big yet. I want to just keep reiterating that this is something that should feel light even if it's confrontational. Anger for the sake of anger is never good, and that's the biggest hang-up with Mars in general. It's possible to have fun with this concept of, of a nemesis, to not take it too seriously. You know it needs to be done, so just do it. Don't think about it. There's a story here in what you do with yourself in your life, and that story is everything. So this episode, I'm sitting down with someone living in a world of foes and nemeses, bound together in narrative and fate someone who knows the ropes of competitive wrestling. 
Hi, I'm Shana Zarif. I am a co-presenter of Grap Girls, which is a wrestling podcast, and I also wrestle with burning hearts as Brightside. I got into wrestling through a um, an e-entertainment show called Total Divas, which is essentially a show with more in common with Real Housewives than actual wrestling, like SmackDown and Raw, but I really connected with it. So I am a person who is really um, quite... Ad- I have an addictive personality. So I've been involved in a million fandoms throughout my life. Um, and as soon as I got into wrestling, I knew that I couldn't stop at just watching it. Um, I had to do commentary on it. And I immediately started looking up kind of groups within London who who trained. Um, and that's how I ended up finding out about Burning Hearts. And maybe six months after seeing Total Divas, I was walking into my first training session. What excites you most about wrestling that got, that, you know, made you feel like you needed to be a part of it? Um, So to begin with, I didn't really enjoy wrestling that much. But the thing that really got me was just the audacity of it. It's such a bizarre way to tell stories. And that's essentially what wrestling is. And people are settling feuds and settling scores and forming alliances all while wearing spandex and, you know, coming out to these ridiculous theme tunes and then jumping over uh, over the bars and doing splits and stuff. So for me, the fact that it's just so very camp, um, I that's that's what really got me into it and made me really love it. So it sounds kind of like I, I always see this meme on the Internet that's like like economics is astrology for men. So would you say that wrestling is reality <laughs> TV for men? Oh, my God. Yes, I think it actually might be. And um there's just the thing that I find so funny about wrestling is that I was put off of it for a really long time because it was just so it appeared to be just so male and so aggressive um and what what I find really funny now about it is the fact that I watch it and it just seems so obviously homoerotic and yet men watch it or at least most men I would say watch it taking it completely seriously and and not seeing that at all um so I don't know. I, I also really enjoy the very queer as- aspects of it, too. <laughs> it's interesting how it feels like the things that are the most boys clubby are the most homoerotic. Absolutely. Um, and rightly so, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So what can you say about the world of small wrestling leagues for people who don't know much about that? For example, I had no idea they existed until I talked to you about it. Um, I really only knew of like the major, like WWE, I guess. Yeah. Um, So outside of WWE, if you don't know, there are kind of several kind of indie divisions who that's generally where WWE get their talent from, that they scout from those indie divisions. And they generally put on live shows around the world all year long. But then beneath that, uh, you kind of have the the local wrestling federations. So um, I found out about Burning Hearts uh, through the internet. Um, but then through them, I found out about other small scale uh, wrestling uh, kind of federations within London, like um, the Lucha Libre. Um, and I found, found out about, um, there's another one called Eve. And the thing that's really nice about them is that the majority of people who are there are not training to become the next 
rock. Most people are there because it's fun and because you, what you find out very, very quickly is that actually you don't need a great deal of physical prowess to be a good wrestler. A lot of it is acting. I mean, if you can sell, which selling means acting um if you can do that like that is part of what makes you a really good wrestler and if you can push forward the storytelling through things called promos which is where you either comment on a match that's come before or you um or you say to the camera like what you're going to do to the person who's wronged you (laughs) like that 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 is where like that's where the real good storytelling comes from and then it's almost as if the the physical stuff is kind of secondary to that and I wouldn't have understood that really. I wouldn't have understood the psychology of wrestling unless I had been to those smaller scale training um, because it doesn't always come across clearly in the big ones like WWE. When I was a kid, you know, watching WWF in the 90s, like everyone that was doing it was like so jacked beyond control that like even though you know there's, you know, something kind of fake happening or something staged happening, you still get the... like I, you know, you still wonder: Are they really skilled wrestlers who are very strong and are actually, you know, combating physically in some way? But it sounds like what you're saying is like not really. No, and the, there is one thing that I would say: Once you have done some wrestling training, it, you start to notice them helping each other sometimes in the ring. So sometimes when I watch things like WWE, which are meant to be like some of the world's greatest wrestlers and you're like oh I can see that he's actually got his hand in a certain way so that when the guy holds him he's also you know holding some of his weight too um and things like that (laughs) where you're like oh okay (laughs) kind of ruined the magic a little bit (laughs) yeah you know there's something kind of poetic in that in, in terms of like that rivalry um and this like alleged battle where you know like it reminds me of in any kind of movie or tv show where there are inherent enemies or whatever and there's like a villain that has finally trapped the hero and they kind of just talk for a really long time instead of killing them it kind of is like somewhere in that in that realm yeah it absolutely is um I think I think um do you know much about like uh the psychology and wrestling of having a face and having a heel no, please go on. Okay, so that is very much what you're describing when you've got the good guy and the bad guy pitted in eternal battle against each other. Um, so in professional wrestling, you get booked, which means scripted, um, as either the face, which means baby face, so the good guy, or you might get cast as a heel. Whoa. Yeah, or you might get <laughs> cast as a heel, um, who means the villain or a bad guy. Um and that doesn't mean that the the good guy always wins, but there are certain tools in both of their move sets. So um, the heel might cheat to win, or he might play dirty and doesn't answer to anyone. Whereas the face might be arrogant and flashy, but they play within the rules uh, and generally get cheers while the the vil- the sorry the heel gets booed. Um, so yeah, there there are so many times that you can see that psychology, like when you're watching a film and you're like, why, why are you talking? You could just kill him now. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you kind of notice that a lot within wrestling. Although I do say that, but you can be liked and hated on both sides. Um, so it's it, just like in real life, it's not always, yeah. it's not always that um, black and white, like, Using two examples, you've got someone like John Cena, who is a face, um, and he's a face who kids love, 
but he gets audible boos when he comes out on TV because most of the adults in the crowd don't like him. So being ah. being the good guy doesn't always mean you're liked. Um, and one of the things with uh, faces is that a face can have something called a heel turn, which is where you turn bad, which obviously also happens in movies where you get a good guy going rogue. Um, so for instance, if fans don't like you, one of the things they might do to kind of push your storyline is have you have a heel turn, which is where you're either tempted by the dark side or just plain fed up with what's going on for you, which is good storytelling. So what can you say about women in wrestling that the average person may not know? So in terms of women's wrestling, there is more of it than you realize. I often hear the comment that, you know, there aren't enough female wrestlers in much the same way that there aren't enough female bands and there aren't enough female kind of artists and stuff. And the argument that comes from people is always that, oh, well, you know, it's just that women aren't getting into these things. And it's absolutely not true because I wrestle on a fairly regular basis with an ever-changing group of women. And that's not to say that women come along and then drop out. It's to say that, you know, we 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 constantly have new recruits, but not everyone goes all the time. Um, and what I would say is that perhaps what you don't realise is that there aren't that many women getting booked. I mean, there's been kind of uh, the WWE have had kind of a divas revolution, which means there are more women's matches making TV, far more than there were, but it's still not egalitarian in terms of 50% women's matches, 50% men's matches. And actually, could there be mixed matches? Like some some of the smaller leagues do mixed matches. Um and so I, I would say it's not a case of there being a lack of interest from women. I just don't think there are enough opportunities for women further up. Um, and sometimes, quite sadly, the the women who do make it a bit further, it's it's maybe not necessarily because they're amazing wrestlers or have an amazing gimmick, but um, because they're, you know, unfortunately quite pretty by stand like male standards which is a horrible horrible thing to say and I also say to those women like get it just like go for it <laughs> yeah <laughs> is there that same standard for male wrestlers like do you find that more like attractive male wrestlers get booked than non-attractive or is that not the same rules there I mean the the, the problem is is that the rules for an attractive man is are not so clear cut <laughs> um they're not as set in stone as what an attractive woman is um so yeah, I think that there is a standard of having to be a, have a have a certain cinematic appeal uh, for the men who get higher up, but there's also a lot more leeway. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a lot more forgivable to be an unattractive male than to be an unattractive female. Yeah, course. I mean you yes, exactly. And you can almost get like dude blindness watching wrestling, which is why I didn't like it to begin with because it's like, oh, another long-haired, greasy-haired guy in black knickers fighting another long-haired guy in black knickers like it's yeah so you, there is a possibility of that I say I say all of these things but I actually do really love a lot of male wrestlers so I'm not not totally against male wrestling what's some fun trivia about how a match works behind the scenes so behind the scenes of creating a match you would want to ensure that your two fighters who will almost always be a face or a heel or sometimes two faces who have been pitched against each other because of the machinations of a heel. Um, Whoa. Mm, sounds like sounds like TV shows. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but what you have there is, um, is that in the actual setup of a match, when it comes to planning it, uh, not, I mean, I'm give, maybe giving away too many of the magician's secrets here, but 
often they are planned or at least given a basic outline. Um, but you would have it, you would have heat and you would have hope. So heat is when the face uh, is being kind of knocked down and taking a real beating. And hope is when they kind of shine and get to kind of show that they might well win the match. Um, and the match will go back and forth between those two things until one or the other wins. Um, so that's kind of what goes into planning a match. Interesting. Mm. So is each round planned out? Or like, do you know how many like rounds you'll go before it's over or it, like how much of it is just kind of like off the cuff so d depending on how long you've been wrestling I do know that some of the wrestlers that I, I work with and wrestlers far higher up they just get given they just get told pretty much like it's this type of match so it's a tables ladders chairs match and this person's going to be the winner um and then they mm -hmm. they kind of do their own thing and and you can you do you do communicate within the ring. So sometimes if someone's got really long hair, which you'll notice a lot of wrestlers do, and they're being dragged around, it's because they're using that time to whisper stuff to each other. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily like have to almost um, plan out every single aspect of it. But depending on where you are, you may need to do quite a bit of that. And in terms of rounds, it doesn't really work like it does in say boxing where you have so many rounds and then you're out what you normally have in wrestling is you have a one fall match which means either if you tap out or you're pinned uh, for a certain amount of time that's the person who who you tapped out to or who pinned you is the winner but sometimes you have two or three falls which might mean that you go several rounds but those are actually not very common so what do you think the biggest hurdle is in the world of wrestling right now I mean, if there's there's the very obvious and topical one, which is coronavirus. Um, a lot of companies like AEW and WWE have been um, continuing to have their their uh, their talent still fight one another, but without an audience. Um, and a lot of uh, kind of the the commentary online has been that is is professional wrestling without an audience just avant-garde art but i would argue <laughs> that wrestling has always been avant-garde art um it's just, <laughs> it's just it's just you don't realize without a bunch of people like jeering um right so i would say that's the the kind of biggest hurdle and i would also like question whether or not wrestlemania should actually happen this weekend um so uh at the moment, Vince McMahon is 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 still going ahead with WrestleMania across two nights with no audience, um, and obviously it kind of it comes across as really um, just not a good idea and really irresponsible. So that that's a massive hurdle. Right. It's like unless all of the wrestlers are quarantining together, then what? How is this even? How is this possibly ethical? Yeah. So how do you see the wrestling world moving forward? At the moment, within kind of wrestling, as I understand it, there are a great deal of um, trans wrestlers. Uh, so I know a great deal of them. Um, and it's another one of these things like we were talking earlier about how people think there are less women wrestlers, um, but it's not represented higher up. At the moment, there is one very, very um, popular trans wrestler called Nyla Rose, who fights in AEW. And... At the moment, she's being talked about as if she is the only 
trans wrestler out there, but I know for a fact that that is not the case. And what I would like to see going forward is I would like to see more representation of trans people in kind of um, the the higher up leagues, because of course there, you know, I know so many amazing trans wrestlers in Burning Hearts and across like the UK, kind of in the smaller leagues, but I, it's just not represented higher up. And I think times are certainly changing and that change needs to be represented in entertainment everywhere not just wrestling but i would like to see it in wrestling recently online there has been a lot of trans people coming forward to talk about um their discomfort in a lot of wrestling spaces and that they you know that there is a need for them to you know be represented in wrestling Shanaz's chart is very sweet, with the Sagittarius sun in the seventh house of partnerships, Taurus rising, and Taurus moon in the first house. It's so fitting that her wrestling persona is bright side. For as long as I've known her, Shanaz has been devastatingly sweet and positive, even letting my band sleep on her apartment floor for a couple nights. I checked out her chart to root out where I see wrestling activity, and it stands out significantly with her Jupiter in Aquarius, in the 11th house, trining her Mars, and both of those planets making a sextile to Uranus in the 8th house. To break that down, Jupiter is where we're expansive and full of life and philosophy, and hers is in the 11th house of groups and community, and in the sign of Aquarius, which is also about community, as well as ideas, ingenuity, development, progress, we see her involvement in gender inclusivity here, and it's sextiling Uranus, which I tie in with podcasting, her chosen medium, and it's in the eighth house of transformation. And finally, both of these planets touch her Mars, which of course brings in the specific realm of wrestling, as all physical activity is very Martian. Another chart I looked at is that of Becky Lynch, a woman who signed with WWE in 2013 later holding both the SmackDown Women's Champion title and the Raw Women's Championship title, making her the only woman to hold both titles simultaneously. Admittedly, I don't know much about wrestling, but according to my informant Shanaz, Becky Lynch is a current fan fave and a trailblazer for women in the wrestling world. We don't know her exact time of birth, but from the data we do know, her Mars is fantastically in the sign of Aries and it's conjunct her north node, which represents where she's headed in life. Her chart has what's called a mystic rectangle, which is an aspect pattern between four planets that you can see standing out, you know, visually in the center of a natal chart as a rectangle formed by two trines and two sextiles with a cross inside that rectangle, uh, which is just the two lines are formed from the two oppositions. It's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a complex aspect pattern to describe using just my voice. Uh, her mystic rectangle includes Mars, the South Node, Chiron, and her Venus-Saturn conjunction. We can see that Mars happy in its sign, how much it influences her chart, and how it guides these other planets in her mystic rectangle.
I'm catching Aries season kind of late with everything that's been going on. Things just started to fall behind. In this way, it feels kind of the opposite of how this season should feel. It should feel full of energy, intuition, and forward movement. But instead, we're all cooped up inside, unable to really express, except through social media. But in other ways, Aries is everywhere. And how vocal everyone is on social media. Kind of yelling, transmuting their helplessness into aggression. We don't know what the world is going to look like tomorrow, or the next day, week, month, year. We're entering a world that is wholly new. Aries is the beginning of the zodiac, and it ushers in the unknown fearlessly. This is what I'm trying to carry with me now. Some amount, even just a drop of this fearlessness. This song, I Go Out at Night by Rap Boys, uncorks some of that bottled up uneasiness, some of that fear, and releases it. Listening to it, you can feel the heaviness of the night, of the dark path forward ahead of us but it feels somehow light. All you can do is keep walking, eventually lying down to sleep. Then the sun will come up, it will go back down, and we'll start over again. The only sureness in this time comes from a single idea that even when we're scared, we have no choice but to carry on. Thank you to Shanaz for sitting down with me. You can find more info on her podcast, Grap Girls, at grapgirls.co.uk. And that's G-R-A-P-G-R-R-R-L-Z. You can also follow them on social media at at grapgirls, spelled that same way. You can also follow Shanaz herself on Twitter at at Z-A-R-I-F-S-H-A-H-N-A-Z for updates on her wrestling, her podcast, and her music. Did I mention that the first thing I learned about Shanaz was that she was in a Buffy-themed band? For more info on Rap Boys, including their fantastic new album, Printer's Devil, visit their website at rapboysband.com. For more Inkblot Astrology content, you can follow along at inkblotastrology.com or on social media at at inkblot underscore astro. You can also find my astrology contributions for Hooligan Magazine online at hooliganmagazine.com astrology. To help keep the show afloat during these strange times, sign up for the Patreon at patreon.com slash inkblotastrology for personal monthly mini-readings based on any question you'd like to ask. There's a lot to go up against right now. Things simply aren't easy. There's nothing to say or hear that makes much sense. Whatever petty squabbles we may have had going on before the pandemic are now moot. 
suddenly we're all much smaller. Suddenly we're up against the same nemesis, the uncertainty of the future. But we're in it together, and though we're not yet able to see any kind of light at the end of this very dark, very cold tunnel, we can always explore the dark. <laughs>